On this show of St. Louis in Tune, we're going to talk about coffee with Mr. Coffee, except that name's been taken already. But the coffee situation, can you improve your cup of coffee? We'll find out how to do that. Also, the nine top health reasons why you should drink coffee. There's been a man who's been spending his time underwater since March the 1st. We'll figure out what that's all about if we have time. And also, Operation Resiliency, our word of the day and humor, all on this episode of St. Louis in Tune. Well, greetings, listeners in Listenerland. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate mm-hmm. from and connect the Gateway City to what is happening regionally, nationally, internationally, and galactically. A top of the day to you, Mark. Ah, top of the day to you. I don't, I'm not very good at that stuff, but top of the day. <laughs> top of the morning. Top of the morning, Top yeah. of the afternoon. Or if, <laughs> and sometimes we record the show at various times throughout the day, folks. At yeah. least we don't do it at 3 o'clock in the morning, though. No, 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 no. That's okay. I forgot to add that we always do our return to civility. We do, and it's about time to return. Yes, and all of these things, this is from A Speed of Laughter Project by John Sweeney. Great book, folks. Also, check out our episode on on John Sweeney. We interviewed him, had a great time talking to him about that, and that's on stlintune.com. But if you're taking an elevator to the top of a building, send it back down after you reach your destination. Now, I didn't know this next fun fact. 81.63% of all elevator rides begin on the first floor. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I guess unless you have a basement garage. Right. Then they would probably split between them. But in a regular building, nobody's going to enter on the 15th floor. So your civility is suggesting when you get to the 50th floor, you press the lobby. Right. And send that rascal back. Right. Not press every one of the buttons. (laughs) As I'm sure you have done sometime in your career. I know. I might have done that once or twice. Just maybe just once. I've stopped. Setting a great example for your children. I've stopped my children from doing that before. When they were younger, they, they don't even think about and it. And then when they got off the elevator, you pushed them all. I <laughs> you were there. He's always there. <laughs> I think everybody in the morning takes time to have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Some people oh, like yeah. tea more than coffee. I have the stained teeth to show it. Yeah, and that's, I guess, one of the Drawbacks. downsides mm-hmm. of drinking coffee coffee and, th- and things or like that. Or red wine. Right, wine will yeah. do the same thing. Yeah, so. yes. All those kinds of things. Yeah. But it does uh, provide some health benefits, which we'll talk about later on in, mm. the, uh, in the show. But I, I alluded to Mr. Coffee, and we're not talking about the dispensing kind of machine. And I, I called him, you know, I called him that because he has this affinity and love for coffee that grew out of just drinking coffee, and it's grown mm. into where he is now the chief coffee officer for Goshen Coffee, mm. and Tony Auger's in studio. Welcome, Tony, to St. Louis in Tune. so much for having me. Now, I, I know I made that up about Mr. Coffee, but, <laughs> but your background is you have a bachelor's degree from the New England Institute of Art. And I'm like, how, do, how does this happen where you get this degree in art? And I don't know if it's in art history or whatever. And I want you to mention that. But then now you're this chief coffee op- the CCO, the chief coffee officer of, of a group <laughs> that's uh, here in St. Louis and, and over on the Illinois side. Yeah. Um, 
You know, I always like to say uh, nobody in coffee has a coffee degree. Um, we all have some kind of art or, you know, history degree or, you know, an English degree of some sort. Because um, everyone kind of just stumbles into coffee, to be honest. So how did you stumble into it? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> after I got my degree, uh, it was actually in photography. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I was actually starting to work in other arts. So I was working at a tattoo shop. Um, and one morning I just realized I'm spending way too much money on coffee every day. Yeah, you know, I'd got to the point where I was kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit and mm-hmm. could taste the different things and had my aha moment is what we call it in mm-hmm. coffee where mm-hmm. you realize things can taste very different from, from cup to cup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I thought, you know, I actually, I overheard someone in the coffee shop I was at interviewing for a job and I just immediately was like, but I know more than this person. Um, and then a light bulb went off where I said, well, you know, instead of spending all this money on coffee, I could instead work in it and drink free coffee. Um, yeah. So <laughs> great way to do that. <laughs> right. right. The, the typical, uh, you know, uh, user needs to be the supplier now. And, um, <laughs> right. I really love it. and uh, so, um, so for a really long time, I actually did both. I was working uh, in the tattoo industry. I do that in the evening and I'd work in coffee in the morning. Um, until one day I was like, you know what? I want to make this my career. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Now, you mentioned something I found interesting, and I also have been reading a little bit more about this, that you know, I liken what you do. I wonder if there's a sommelier of coffee, because it's just like when you are tasting wine, you mm-hmm. can taste different kinds of flavors, and, and bourbon will do the same kinds of things, mm-hmm. and... You know, so coffee does the same kind of thing. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, so I'm actually one of those. It's called a Q grader. Say that again. Uh, a Q grader, okay. a quality grader. Okay. Um, it's a it's a pretty rigor, rigorous test. Um, a little different than than wine. Um, you know, we always actually try to compare coffee to wine mm-hmm. because we're studying the same things like different varieties oh. and terroir and you right. know all these uh, elements that kind of go into coffee. Uh, the hard part is that. Um, for a very long time, coffee didn't have, um, I guess, kind of like a, a one-stop, this is how we do it across the world. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, every little different micro region and um, community, they, they really didn't have a lot of money. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, and they would do things based on like what their parents did and their grandparents did. Um, so you would have like a farm next to a farm, and you could have some variants and flavors, mm-hmm. um, but ultimately you wouldn't have you know coffee from the country of colombia always stays the same right and so um in addition to that you know there are a couple hundred different like flavor compounds in wine um but in coffee we have thousands um so it's 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 also a little bit harder because it's not so hit you in the face right Mm -hmm. with wine there's very clear um you know flavor profiles and you can you can be able to say like, oh, I know this coffee is a Sauvignon Blanc from, from Washington, uh-huh. right? Um, whereas in coffee, we can, you have to kind of taste over the inherent bitterness, right? There's uh-huh. a bitterness factor that's kind of like, you know, that you have to then taste all the individual uh-huh. flavors above. And it just takes a little bit longer. You have to kind of build this mental library. Uh-huh. Well, let's talk, let's mm-hmm. really peel back the onion on this and let's yeah. start with the bean itself. Yeah. And, and go to the regions where coffee's grown, talk about the differences of those. I think there's two different types of beans, mm-hmm. and then let's just kind of go through the whole process because, you know, my biggest question to you was what's the difference between dry roasting and oh, and yeah. how other kind of roasting's right, right. done? But that was like, when I got started researching, <laughs> right. this is like, well, that's 
that's just one section. Right. I'm just scratching the surface right. here. So let's right. go back to the beans. Yeah, so. yeah. So, um, so a lot of people don't realize this, but coffee's a seed, um, and so it grows on a like a shrub. Um, it's tiny tree. Um, the cherries that grow off that tree are about the size of a cranberry, but they can, depending on the variety, really change a lot um, in in size. Um, and what's inside that cherry are going to be two seeds. Each seed is kind of like a half moon shape, and it makes that circle. And so, um, wow, hundreds and thousands of years ago, um, somebody realized that if they roasted those seeds, they could turn it into a beverage. Um, and so, <laughs> that's I know, random. Right? I, I mean, who, who, who comes up with that idea? I don't know. It's like, yeah. kind of like hey, using Bob, let's corn. Like uh, yeah. oh, let's heat this up. Oh, yeah. look at this. It's alcohol. Yeah, you know, I think what what <laughs> what I think may have happened. Uh, so the, originally, they would actually take the fruit. Um, and inside the fruit, there's what we call a mucilage. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really sticky. It's kind of like honey. And it's very sweet. And they would take the fruit and they would leave the seed out of it. And ah. they would crush it together and kind of make these like energy bars. Right. Um, and I think they were like, well, Ooh. we don't want to waste the seed. How can we be able to consume this as well? Wow. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the, with coffee, we have very similar again to wine or apples, grapes. You know, you have all these different varieties and each one's going to inherently taste different. The main, um, the main thing that, that, that changes, though, is that, again, we're tasting the seeds. We're, we're not tasting the fruit itself. Um, when you find an actual coffee tree um, where it's grown, you can taste the fruit, and they do taste very different, which is a lot of fun. Wow. Um, but really, so, so coffee, those, those differences that makes um, the biggest impact on, on change in flavor is going to be variety. Um, you also have like the terroir, so like mm -hmm. how high a coffee is grown and elevation, mm. um, it's going to drastically change the way uh, the flavor is. So crazy. Will it be more bitter or no? So something that's lower to the ground um, is going to be um, it's going to be more nutty, smooth. Uh, so you think like Hawaiian coffees or mm -hmm. coffee from Brazil. Um, they're they don't have a crazy complexity to them, but mm -hmm. they're really sweet, smooth, got some nuttiness to them. Wow. The higher up uh, elevation goes, the more complexity and acidity you're going to find in a cup of coffee. Um, the wow. main reason for this is that um, once you have those very high altitudes, um, coffee is going to kind of go through this cycle every day where it gets a lot of sunshine. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes into a cold night, um, which shocks the coffee. Um, and it thinks that you know, plants actually can think, which is crazy itself but it uh you know the plant itself is like i'm going to die like this right. environment i'm in is mm -hmm. is too much for me to handle so mm -hmm. instead of growing um and like spreading its mm -hmm. its limbs and growing up high it'll actually stay more compact and it sends all of its nutrients to the seed itself instead of mm. um instead of like actually growing as a tree interesting um, because it thinks I need to propagate. Now right. I need to make sure that uh, I survive. I survive. Yeah. And so um, when we get seeds from that higher elevation, you're going to get a lot more intense flavors. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Right. Right. Yeah. I never knew. That's why we're doing this show. <laughs> right. I know. It's, I, yeah. I have so many questions. Right, right. For two. You, know, I know. you know, one of the other main ways that coffee gets its um, unique flavors or, or how it's processed. Right. I kind of like alluded to that before where, you know, wine, they have a very strict, like, you know, we're going to ferment for this long, and then mm -hmm. we're going to be able to add this yeast microorganisms, right. you know, right. things like that. But with, with coffee, I mean, that's all, that, that's the farmer. The farmer gets to pick that. And most of the farmers that, that, I, that I work with are operating on very small scale levels. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe the size of a football field or two football fields. And they're going to have probably the biggest impact on, on how that coffee tastes 
depending on how they, um, you know, when they remove the seeds from the cherry, how long they then right. let the seeds and that mucilage, that sticky stuff, it's filled with sugar. So how long they let that sugar ferment um, into then how they dry their coffee mm-hmm. and how, so all those things like create a huge um, wow. factor in how, how it tastes. Wow. wow. We're talking to Tony Auger. He's chief coffee officer for Goshen Coffee here in the St. Louis area. And this is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. Go go into that. You know, I want to get into the weeds of this because I I find this fascinating. I always want to make a better cup of coffee. We have a French roast or French press, yeah. And you know, I experiment around with the grinder and all mm-hmm. that stuff like that. But when you talk about the farmer who is uh, pulling away the fruit from this, is this done mechanically? Is this done by hand? Yeah. Or does it depend on the country? Or? Um, it's it's always done mechanically. Um, it it would be like way too labor intensive to do the anything Mm -hmm. different. Um, and so what you can picture is, um, kind of like a circular, like an, um, a cylinder that has like cheese grater, like, Mm -hmm. um, ridges on it. Mm -hmm. And there's like a basket that sits above that. And they put the cherries on top of there and either through like a mechanical belt, um, that will then spin around over and over again. And the cherries slowly drip into, um, into that and then spit out the seeds and the, the fruit, um, and like skin on that fruit kind of shoots out in a different direction. What do they do with that pulp and stuff? Um, there's a couple different things they can do. Um, a lot of people will let their chickens kind of eat it or pick through it. Um, it also makes really good fertilizer. So, um, the one thing you'll see, um, if you ever are able to visit farms in, uh, in a lot of these countries that grow coffee is that they try to reuse as much as possible. Um, so fertilizer is huge. Um, that will go back into like a compost bin of some sort and they'll be able to distribute that with all the awesome nutrients from coffee, um, back into the coffee fields. Um, or you can even do one more thing with it. (laughs) You can make, uh, what's called cascara tea. Um, so, but in order to do that, you really have to like dry it in a way where you're not going to get like microorganisms so they don't make energy bars and sell not anymore not not anymore (laughs) uh but no i I would say like most of the time it goes back into like a compost bin of some sort so you've got arabica beans Mm -hmm. and those are like uh, africa and like brazil south america Mm -hmm. central america then you have asian beans i can't remember the name of that bean so um so really uh like so we have two main um We'll call them family tree varieties. Okay. Um, they spew from the same, you know, overarching um, family tree. Um, but those two main branch offs are going to be uh, Arabica and Robusta. Um, Robusta is grown mostly in, like, Vietnam, uh, in, in Asia a little bit. But, honestly, it's it's grown everywhere. You see really? it in, um, in Brazil a lot, too. Okay. The main difference is that uh, Arabica does not produce as much quantity of coffee. And it's more susceptible to diseases and, and different like uh, spores that would come in and, and kind of like ruin the production of that coffee. Um, but it tastes phenomenal. Uh, while Robusta does not have a great taste traditionally, however, it has a great crop yield. Hmm. Um, so you'll see a lot of places like, um, you know, they, well, they'll say like world's strongest cup of coffee. Most of the time that's going to be uh, Robusta coffee okay. just because it actually also has more caffeine content. It's one of those things where you kind of have to like weigh the pros and cons, but um, due to quality, um, really Goshen and, and all my 
kind of supply chain knowledge. We only really use uh, Arabica beans. Okay. Uh, has anybody tried to do some kind of cross-pollination? Definitely. or Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of research going into that right now, and you'll see a lot. We call them hybrids. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see them kind of scattered across Latin America. Really, the main reason why is for the past 10 years, even longer than that, um, one huge thing has been, at first, fighting what's called coffee leaf rust. It's this fungus that can transfer really easily between farms, mm-hmm. and it basically hurts the plant and the plant like goes into survival mode but in a different way it stops mm. producing cherries altogether and oh, tries wow. to fix itself um wow and then in addition to that um they've been working on trying to find coffees that can survive climate change um and robusta is one of those ones that's shown a little bit more um ability to resist the huge swings in climate um so yeah so there's been a lot of research and combining those to, to create like a, a higher quality coffee that mm. is like you know a little bit um more easy to to not have th- some of the issues that have mm-hmm. faced arabica coffee okay right. so the farmer gets these beans he's run them through that little mm-hmm. uh, machine to take off the pulp what i'm gonna mm-hmm. call the pulp yep. he's got the beans and does the farmer roast them? Or? No, no. So what, what will happen next is um, that coffee is the, those seeds are kind of left with that mucilage on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. And describe what that exactly. Yeah. Is. So it's it's I mean it's sticky. Um, it's super flavorful. It's very very sweet. Um, so think of like um, hmm. uh, let me see like a, hmm. the best kind of fruit to maybe describe it as is. I don't know, like maybe a, like a pomegranate seed. Okay. okay. Like, and yeah. you have that kind of a juiciness yeah. around the outside yeah. of it. Okay. Um, there's probably way better examples, but, or, or like a chia seed when you soak it in water, okay. it kind of has that little mm-hmm. pearl that kind of grows around it. Right. Um, so that, uh, what, what we're going to do with that is actually go through a fermentation process. Uh, fermentation in coffee, it has to be done in some way. Um, one way is to go through this process where they remove the, the, the cherry skins and then, um, and then, like, soak that um, mucilage with the coffee seed still, and they'll let that ferment. And it varies dramatically based on, like, local, um, uh, local temperatures and environments. But the idea is you need that to ferment for somewhere around 12 to 24 hours before you then wash it all off completely to stop that fermentation. Okay, okay. Um, the other way that uh, coffee is, can be processed, and this is just a – one or two where there's like hundreds of ways, but uh, the other main way is what's called a natural or a dry process. Um, and that is when they actually leave the cherry um, intact and they'll turn it into like kind of a raisin and let it dry out. Mm. Um, that results in like an amplification of like fruit flavors drastically. Like mm. if you, if I was to make like a latte or even just a, a, a cup of coffee, someone might think that like I put like a blueberry syrup inside of it. It wow. tastes that much like blueberries. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. But the downside, <laughs> the downside of it, it's a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously, if you like over ferment something, you're going to get over fermented fruit flavors, right. um, which can really be off putting. Unless people like kind of right. fruit flavored coffee. Right, right. right. V- very labor intense, it seems Incredible. like. Yeah, that's why I wanted yeah. him to go through this, because, you know, we go to the store and we buy beans or we buy ground yeah. coffee and we just, mm-hmm. you know, do what we want to do don't in the morning. Don't much of it. Right. Kind of destroy it. Yeah. No, for sure. I don't know why they're not charging more for yeah. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. Uh, no, right. I mean, once you see what happens on the ground, it's it's very insane, to be honest and, with you. And I heard that there was a shortage, I guess, a couple of years ago. Yeah, we go. We have big up and downs. Um, okay, that's and, good uh, to know. It yeah. kind of comes up, too. Yeah, you know, it, it really depends. It's it's a global market um, type thing, and Brazil right now they 
they pretty much can control the global market. So they make the most coffee in the world. And if uh, Brazil says, hey, our, our harvest isn't going to be uh, that well this year, then the whole market goes into panic. Or yeah. if, if they say, we're going to have too much coffee, then again, the whole market goes into panic. So. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, when you th- when you think about all it takes, I mean, mm-hmm. just a coffee plant itself, like from uh, the time it grows into a little tiny, um, uh, goes comes from a nursery and goes into the ground, it's going to take three years just for that coffee to make cherries. Wow! Um, so farmers have to, and they're spread very thin. You know, and they, they only, probably have a lifetime on there when they're really producing the so, dust. Kind of. Yeah, it goes back to that same thing where I was talking about kind of like freaking the plant out. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, have the plant do a lot of trimming, um, mm-hmm. so you're taking off, or even you can stump the tree mm-hmm. entirely, um, it's going to cause the plant to kind of grow back and um, produce more coffee again. Hmm. Because on the, the branches themselves where the coffee is grown, that's the only time coffee will grow on that spot. So you oh. have to start removing branches so that gotcha. way it can keep producing. Oh, gotcha. wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So you would, as a chief coffee officer and somebody would go to these farms and say, hey, I like your beans or tell me mm-hmm. about your beans. And that's how all that kind of process happens? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's um, the romanticized version. <laughs> um, but, but really, so... Um, before moving to Goshen, uh, my background was in supply chains. Um, and so I, I worked a lot in Latin America and I saw that it's not that easy in any way. Wow. <laughs> so, so, uh, I mean, there's like a, we could do two episodes on how, <laughs> on how hard it is to, to find those relationships. But you know, the, the, the great thing about my background is then being able to like take those relationships I formed absolutely, um, and, and have a much more transparent view um, on what it's going to take to get and how much it's going to take to get the coffee from point A to point B. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to keep kind of talking about that. Uh, I, I don't want people to tune out because I do want to also let them know that you were participating in the U.S. Coffee Championships in Portland, Oregon recently yeah. uh, in the coffee roasting category and the cup tasting category. Oh, wow. And we will talk about that, but I also want to continue uh, our conversation about how somebody, when they get up in the morning, they can make a better cup of coffee, and what are all of the factors involved in in that. So I'm I'm kind of teasing (laughs) our listeners here uh, that we're going to go a a couple different directions, and I like that um, apparently this championship in Portland was like the Oscars. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. And then the winners there went on to the International wow. uh, Coffee Championship, the World Coffee Championship in Greece and Taiwan. Mm. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm just learning so much. Yeah. There's, <laughs> sure. I don't, we're just beginning to scratch the surface mm-hmm. of the bean. How about that? Right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So we'll be right back to talk about all of those things that we mentioned. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. into strives to bring you informative useful and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people places and things our topics cover a wide range 
such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and even sports. And that's just to name a few. While St. Louis in Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you enjoy what you hear, please take time and like and share and subscribe to this show and listen to other previous shows that can be found on our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. Or on your favorite podcast platform, that's stlintune.com. stlintune.com. And if you've got an idea that you'd like for us to examine a little deeper, let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis in Tune, heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website, again, is stlintune.com. We want to hear from you, stlintune.com. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dredscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We're talking to Tony Auger. He's the chief coffee officer for Goshen Coffee here in the St. Louis metropolitan area. And there are two locations. One's down in Soulard, yep. and the other one is in Illinois. Yeah, in Edwardsville, Illinois, where Goshen was founded. Okay. And we've been talking about this whole process of coffee, and we left it off where Tony's going down, and he's established relationships, and he is has purchased some, you know, tons of beans, I'm presuming, mm-hmm. and now he gets them back here to the States, and what do you do with those beans? Yeah, you know, the, the first thing that that coffee is going to go through is like an approval process, so um, really just tasting the coffee and, you know, through our database, ensuring that, like, what we're getting in as a sample or, you know, what coffee's arriving actually matched what was originally offered. Um, but from there, we, we then start profiling a coffee. So, each one of our coffees, um, whether it be a blend or single origin coffee, um, we're going to go through and, and make fine-tuned details to it uh, to kind of amplify what we think is inherently good about that coffee. So, with uh, you know, with our blends, a lot of that is maybe tweaking the percentages of coffee going into different uh, blends, but it's also crazy things like how long we want the coffee to roast. So, um, generic, you know, as a big like generic statement the longer you roast a coffee um the less bright and fruit forward it's going to be um 
if and the higher temperatures you roast coffee at, um, you're going to get more of the smoky, charred kind of flavors. Hmm. Um, so you know, we, we try to like make coffees that are that people want. Um, regardless of their preferences, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a wide range of light roasts and medium roasts and dark roasts. Um, but really, for us, it's it's trying to take the individuality of that coffee and find the best way to showcase it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's dry roasting, and what other kind of roasting? So is there? so there's there's um there's a bunch of different styles. So there's um there's air roasting, which right. is um just hot air pushing through. Um, and then you also have, uh, you know, convective um, heat roasting mm. um, and conduction heat type of roasting. Mm. Um, and these are going to be more like where the fire itself doesn't touch um, the actual coffee beans themselves, mm-hmm. but it heats it up in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it can have like a radiant heat where everything is kind of um, kind of emitting that energy and that heat right. from a metal. Um, it could have a direct heat source where we call that like actual physical contact. So if the if the coffee bean itself is on the metal that's heated up mm-hmm. rather than spinning around um, at Goshen, what what I really like and how I've um, kind of presented our coffees is we use a, a hybrid between um, a traditional drum roaster. So mm-hmm. we have a barrel that kind of spins around, but there's no direct heat. So the only direct heat would be that every once in a while a bean will kind of hit the paddles on that right. roaster. Um, we use like a, 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 a roaster that has like an internal air system where it kind of keeps that hot air. Uh, the really cool thing about it is, um, while I also think it does create like a much better um, quality product because you're penetrating that co- that really dense coffee seed mm-hmm. seed with um, with hot air, so it gets mm-hmm. to the center of it and it roasts the outside and the middle kind of the same way. Makes sense. Um, but it also um, uses way less energy. So when we switched to that roaster, we saw a 95% decrease in our energy consumption. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it's a it's a you know good thing for all type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's that's wild. That's fascinating as to how that all works. And so do you pull it out of the drum and just like spread it out to cool yeah. or do you like um, have a cooling machine yeah or? so so right when um the coffee hits the temperature that we want and i mean it's a really small window with a lot of these coffees um we're going to uh immediately have the door open of the roasting machine and it's going to tumble out into a cooling tray and so that cooling tray is sucking all the hot air down and pushing it out to the outside world um but it's also has arms that spin it to make sure it doesn't stay in one spot mm. Wow. Then, so then it goes from that conveyor belt to mm-hmm. like bags. Or? Yeah, yeah. So um, so we'll move from um, um, that machine, and once the coffee's cooled, we'll send it over to our packaging line. Um, the packaging line is this awesome thing that you know sucks the coffee up um, to a weigh and fill, and as it's doing that, it's also um, checking for like any kind of foreign objects. Um, and then um, from there, we have people that are working on bagging that coffee. So they'll you know, either be bagging five pounds for our wholesale customers, uh, two-pound bags, or like 12-ounce bags. Wow. Okay. Now, to the point that people have been probably waiting for mm. is how do I make – I'm buying Goshen Coffee, which is available, folks, at most uh, retail grocers here in the metropolitan area. I'll mention some, Schnucks, Deerberg, Straubs, Whole Foods, Fresh Time, other, other 
I'm going to go get some, retails. too. Yeah, I am, too. I am going to go get some. I am, too. And yeah. there's a whole wide variety, Mark, so yeah. we're going to have to really ask yeah, them they, after the show which one we probably oh, should yeah, try right. first. A whole nother show on this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about Irish cream and coffee or any of that. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably Coffee well. cocktails. Delicious, yeah. <laughs> so how do I make a better cup of coffee? Yeah. There's a lot that goes mm-hmm. into that rather than the percolator uh, and right. I don't care whatever. for Keurig coffee either. I don't mean to bring the brand yeah. out, but those little pre-made yeah, cups, I there's don't... A, there's a couple reasons why, why yeah. some people don't like those, and, and it does tie into all the different steps uh-huh. um, that, that kind of goes bet. about it. Um, so really what I always tell people, the absolute best way to improve your, your coffee taste dramatically is by making sure that you're using filtered water. That's first and foremost. Oh, wow. um, okay. So there's, you know, unfiltered waters... Uh, they're going to have like different, um, you know, chemical compounds that mm-hmm. are made up in that water. Um, and so if we brew coffee in Edwardsville, that isn't, um, that's just using Edwardsville tap water. And we use, brew the same exact coffee in, um, mm-hmm. in Soulard using just St. Louis city water. They're going to taste so different. You're not really? even going to be able to think they're the same coffee. Mm. Um, and it's just because, uh, flavor molecules will adhere to different organic compounds no in a different way. Wow. So to try to get the, the, the flavor to be really similar, you're going to want to use filtered water. Um, the next thing from there um, is making sure you're using the correct grind size for the brewing apparatus. So if you're using something like a French press, you want to have a very coarse grind. Um, and that's because the coffee is kind of steeping rather than being brewed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're using a something like a drip brewer, you want to have a little bit finer of a grind, mm-hmm. um, particle size a little bit smaller. Um, and that's because you know water is constantly coming through and passing through the coffee. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the French press where it's just kind of... Yeah, exactly. You're pushing it through. Yeah, and so like really the, the, the easy way to think about it is um, you know the larger a um, coffee particle size is, the more the water is going to have to penetrate that um, that little bit that little particle size in order mm-hmm. to to fully extract. But the smaller it is, um, it's going to take a lot less water mm-hmm. um, and a lot of less contact time um, because it's there's already less you know of a of a shape for the water to kind of come wow. through. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So now we've got we've talked about beans, mm-hmm. and obviously it has to be fresh coffee. Right. It's right. better mm-hmm. better to grind it. Yeah. M- yeah. Right away. And I, I always give the comparison of um, like bread. If you bought uh, pre-sliced bread and you didn't leave it in the bag, um, you know it's going to get stale pretty fast. Um, but if you bought a loaf of bread um, and then cut just en- enough for you to use each time, it's gonna that center of the bread is gonna stay really consistently, mm-hmm. you know, soft and delicious. Right. Um, same thing with coffee. The 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 when we start making that um, particle of the coffee beans smaller and smaller, it is gonna be more places for air to kind of reach that coffee. And as soon as air starts reaching, it just starts deteriorating the flavor compounds. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So okay. the best thing to do is um, is to uh, you know be able to have coffee in a bag that's stored um, really away from sun, away from heat, kind of just a normal temperature, um, and you know grind it as you need it. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I, I I tell people like if you don't have a grinder, I would say buy like two weeks worth of coffee, um, mm. and you're gonna see. After two weeks, a ground coffee is going to start to deteriorate in flavor. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And do you keep it in the refrigerator or anything? Is that um, a bad thing, good thing? So there's a lot of back and forth about that right now. Uh-huh. Um, 
the problem is with, a refri- with the standard household refrigerators and freezers, mm-hmm. um, they don't get cold enough to, uh, to, to make mm-hmm. a difference. If okay. anything, it actually can make it worse okay. because you're producing condensation, right. moving and That's and what I was thinking in. when and you said that. Condensation's yeah. water. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. So grinders, people, you know, it's like the magic bullet, or there's, yep. you know, some some real good grinders right. out there. You have mm-hmm. to do your uh, mm-hmm. your research on that. Yep. What are some factors that people need to look for in a grinding? Yeah. Machine? So with a grinder, I would really recommend uh, staying away from um, almost like more of a spice type grinder. Um, the main reason for that is because you're going to get particle sizes that are all over the place. You'll get some chunks. You'll get some super fine particles. Hmm. Um, so what, what we tend to uh, recommend to people is like a con- what's called a conical burr grinder, um, which can have a much more uniform and precise um, way of grinding. But you could find them anywhere now. Um, you know, Even you know, Target and Walmart, they have um, very cheap versions. And I would recommend if it's something you don't want to invest in, that's... Um, like too much money in because you know the grinder i have at home is my wife killed me when she saw the price um but but <laughs> yeah but you're the chief I coffee know, officer I, that's, that's what i tell her <laughs> i was like why do you think your coffee tastes so good in the morning <laughs> but yeah, give it. me that magic bullet and right, you'll right, find right, out right, the right, difference right <laughs> but no but there there are a lot of cheaper alternatives you just have to make sure it's a conical burr grinder mm. and you can under I, I, how do i say this you can overheat water, put the yep. water on. It's too hot. It's too. It's mm-hmm. it's not right. It needs to be just right. Like right. you know that that uh, same thing. Same thing. That you re- fable. Mm-hmm. You really don't want to use like boiling water because that's too hot. Um, so again, the one thing that the coffee com- uh, the water comes into play is extraction. So the hotter something is, the more it's going to extract. Um, when you start to extract too much flavors out, you're going to get like bitter tastes. Um, and so you really want to kind of be in this um, range of like 195 to I would say maxing out at like 212. But even then, that's pretty hot. I, I brew my coffee at home around like 205 degrees, 208 degrees. Mm-hmm. And you have temperature gauges that actually. Yeah, you know, there's um what what I what I use is like um it's a kettle and mm-hmm. it's um it has like an electric reader on it that just kind of tells you but most of the time i tell people like if you don't have something like that if you're just using um you know hot water coming off a stove um just let it boil and then after it boils wait like you know a minute and then you can brew your coffee okay okay now i know this is also an interesting factor is the amount of water that you put with the coffee i've always thought like when I was growing up, when I'd see somebody with a little espresso kind mm-hmm. of cup or like like a Turkish coffee with very right. small, right. like a demitasse cup, that, okay, well, they're, they're using maybe not as much coffee and just a little bit of water. And it's like an intense coffee, and it's the amount of water. Mm-hmm. So t- talk about that balance yeah. and that ratio. So, um, so like in our cafes, um, almost every uh, coffee you'll get is going to have the same amount of coffee. Right. So the caffeine doesn't change. What what changes is the um, the concentrate level. So with an espresso, you're using um, about like 21, 19, somewhere in the the, the small 20s uh, grams of coffee to make um, just that two ounces of espresso. While if you get, um, you know, a cup of coffee that's made for just specifically you, what we call a pour over. Um, that's going to be 12 ounces, and it's going to have roughly the same amount of coffee that kind of goes into that. Um, we use, uh, when you're brewing just coffee itself, um, we use what's called like the golden ratio in coffee, and that's 1 to 16. So 
Unfortunately, in the U.S., uh, we, we don't have a very easy system to monitor that. Um, but if you convert everything to the metric system, that would be one gram to 16 milliliters, right? So one gram of coffee for every 16 milliliters. The great thing about milliliters is that um, one milliliter of water is actually equal to one gram uh, weight-wise, um, which makes brewing coffee very easy. <laughs> All right, now say that again because, you know, I never really learned no, the metric no, you're system very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to learn it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's, it's whenever we do these, like, whenever I go and travel, it's like, oh, my gosh, if I just knew the metric system, yeah. everything would be a lot easier for mm-hmm. coffee. But, no, uh, what, so what we do is, you know, one gram of coffee okay. to one mil, to 16 milliliters of water, okay. right? Um, but we've made that easier. So on the sides of our bags, we have things in like tablespoons and ounces and stuff like that. And cups. Okay. I love well, it. Okay. okay. For, for those of <laughs> us who <laughs> refuse to, right. no, to sure. learn the system. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So the, and, and brewing time, yep. you know, uh, I was reading about the French press that, mm-hmm. hey, two minutes or yeah, four so, minutes. Or? So, um, so I would I would recommend everyone just check out our site. I've I've kind of put together a bunch of like brew card recipes from anywhere to you know a French press or you know making a pour over, or if you just have a at home drip machine, the best way to kind of uh, make your coffee based on like what you have. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but but really, time does play a huge factor again because we're we're talking about the extraction levels. Um, so if we extract for a long period of time, that's going to create a bitter cup of coffee. If we extract too short, you're going to get sour and weak flavors. Mm-hmm. So we really want to have, based on that brew method, a, uh, a window that that coffee should be brewed in. So on your at-home machine, I would say between you know, an at-home drip machine, three and a half minutes to four and a half minutes. Where if you were doing a French press, I want to say I, um, the best, as I see, around four minutes. Mm. Um you know, something that you're doing as, as a pour over, you want to get closer to three and a half minutes, it go, but then you can make espresso in, you know, 25 seconds. So right. it just kind of depends on the application. Okay. So that website, folks, goshencoffee.com, G-O-S-H-E-N coffee.com. And there's pages on brewing instructions. Now give, you mentioned give, something. Give that one more time. Yeah. Goshen, G-O-S-H-E-N coffee.com, G-O-S. H E N coffee.com and uh, pages and brewing instructions. You Thank go to you. the uh, the um, tab, yep. you can mm-hmm. find that. You mentioned pour overs, mm-hmm. uh, and that's with like a filter. Yeah. And, and well, I've seen that. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of, yeah. it's supposedly supposed to be real, and it is a really good yeah. cup of coffee. Yeah. So um, the, the main difference uh, when you're making a pour over, it's really you're, you're making a one serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the reason. Um, that those can taste a lot better is you're just putting a lot of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks a lot harder than it is. <laughs> you're not <laughs> mass producing. No, no, you're you're not mass producing. But you know the the outcome is that you have an incredibly fresh cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, that was brewed at the perfect temperature, the perfect grind size. Um, you can control a lot of those variables a lot more. And that that's how I make coffee every morning. I mm-hmm. use um, a brewer called a Chemex. Um, that's my favorite because I'm able to brew just enough coffee for my wife and I to have a, a full cup. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a brewer that's been around for a long time. Hmm. Um, I want to say the fifties is when wow. they started featuring those. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty easy to be honest. Um, you know, I, I, you're able to teach somebody 
um, how to brew on something like that very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll have to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when we make coffee at home in the morning, we're always conscious because we keep the pot on for a couple of hours. Yep. So we're worried that, you know, by the time we get to the last couple of cups, it's getting pretty bitter. Yeah. So, so we're always trying to find that balance of, you how know, much? yeah, it's yeah. maybe it's a little too weak in when right. the, the first cup, but it's perfect by the last, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a hard thing to do, figure yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, like if you think of the, the heat plates, you're, you're basically making, you know, um, a little bit of a syrup, you know, yeah. cause you're taking a liquid and you're removing right. some more mm-hmm. of that moisture through it. Um, that's how my grand, that's how I grew up drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I'm con- used to it. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a grinder at our house okay. and I, we just noticed the difference in store-bought Mm-hmm. coffee it's amazing we mm-hmm. found a i don't want to say the brand but we 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 bought an off a, 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 actually it's a well-known brand we've been buying a brand at aldi's that's mm-hmm. like a, just a, and the, the the real expensive fancy brand mm-hmm. was terrible yeah it was just terrible it was like uh-uh we wanted to throw it out so yeah. it's amazing yeah yeah it, it, all coffee is not the same now no. you could put salt <laughs> in your bitter coffee just a little bit of salt mm-hmm. oh this was beyond yeah. salt and take it <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yeah. yeah yeah you know i think a lot of times it's um you, you know we and, and something i really try to pride myself in is is first and foremost buying you know ethically sourced coffee that tastes delicious there you go um with that Good advice. You can make you can yeah. make a dark roast or you can make a light roast, mm-hmm. and it's going. To, my idea is I, I want it to be the best version of dark, medium, or light. Right. The hard thing about coffee is that for a very long time, and we're just starting to get into it now, is like we're actually selling something that you have to make. Right. Mm-hmm. Where if you look at a bottle of wine, this is it. Yeah. You consume it, and so education for us is like really important. Huge, right. It, if if our customers don't um, know how to brew their coffee correctly um then they can think our coffee's terrible <laughs> and so yeah so for us it's it's super important to have uh that that education and those things on our website for people mm. to be able to check out you've done a great job with that on the website it's it's really lays it out well because i was like okay do i have a drip coffee oh mm-hmm. i'm gonna do a pour over oh i have a french press oh i have an aeropress which what's an aeropress yeah an aeropress is um is is more of like a concentrated brewer as well it's it's kind of um we, we always call it the fast and easy espresso it's not going to give you actually espresso mm-hmm. um but you're able to kind of get a, a really small amount of coffee incredibly quickly so like wow. two minutes maybe mm-hmm. i uh, take that when i'm camping you know, we have to get into because we're running out of time here. I mean, we could talk probably for another hour. Oh, yeah. right. Easily. The, the Easily. coffee championship. Okay. You just returned from there in two categories: coffee roasting and cup tasting. Mm-hmm. Describe what what happened up there and yeah, and how how you went about doing all those things. Yeah. So um, so the roasting championship was a fun one. I, I actually made it to the semifinals in, in that um, in that competition. It was it was it was one that I actually helped um, create like years ago. Um, but it's gotten a lot harder since I did that, <laughs> um, which is great. Uh, they've, they've kind of tried to make it more of like, um, and that kind of adhere to the international standards. Again, international is working on uh, metric system and a little bit different machinery. So, so it was, it, it was a curveball for sure. Um, but that, that competition is really hard. Um, I don't know anything about the coffee at all until I get there. I have no idea what it is, how it tastes, anything, um, show up and they say, Hey, Here's um, here's you know a pound of coffee. Um, you can roast it now and taste it um, based on what you roasted, and then um, create a roast plan. And you don't get to taste the coffee again. You just have to roast it. Wow! And uh, then it's blind evaluated um, uh, by uh, by a national jury. 
Um, and you know, they look at your paperwork and say, see like, okay, he said he was going to do this for this reason. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did we actually taste that now? Um, and, and the machine that we roasted on was easily the hardest machine I've ever <laughs> roasted on. It was a very weird one. So, um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, the other competitions, what's called the cup tasters competition. Mm-hmm. This is one you could practice for. Um, but, but really it's my day to day job. <laughs> so right. there's a little strategy involved in it, but, right. um, but really it's, it's more just, um, so they, they have, um, they'll have eight sets of, um, triangles. So if, uh, each triangle is, is three cups of coffee. Um, and one of those cups is slightly different. And so you have eight minutes to go through and decide which one out of those three are different. And again, you have to do that eight times. And so once you taste them, you kind of take the different cup and you move it, move it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a speed guy. So I just threw my headphones on, listen to jazz, uh, makes me go fast, you know? And, um, first, t- first round, um, to make it to the quarterfinals, I blew through the time. I did it in like two and a half minutes and I got seven out of eight, right? Um, but the next day, I mean, I got, I went, I tried to go even faster because <laughs> once you get to that national stage, like people, they oh, go it's fast. a time thing. It's a time thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I could get all eight, right. But if someone got all eight, right. And, um, less time, less time then yeah. they're the winner. So okay. wow. I didn't do as good on the, on the final round, but, um, but it was still a lot of fun. Do you drink water in between or something? Um, or? yeah, I have, I, I have a little, uh, where like I, I have a warm cup of water and it kind of helps me reset cleanse my palate. the palate. Yeah, yeah, but because they're also using coffees that are like, I mean, they, they try very hard to trick you. Okay. <laughs> so so you'll have like a coffee that three coffees that have like very high acidic like flavors, and one of them you know instead of maybe let like a lime flavor in it, you'll get more of a lemon flavor in it. And so Ooh, wow. if you're tasting them in a circle over and over again, right. you'll start to be like, right. I don't even know what I'm tasting anymore. Right. So right. Uh, two more questions here. Yeah. Is there, yeah, I've got a lot, but I'm, I'm looking at the clock here. <laughs> I'm looking crazy? at the clock here. Um, f- flavors, flavored coffee, mm-hmm. like you can buy that. If it's that yeah. added on after the fact, yeah. or when is that added? Yeah, on? so so flavored coffee, um, it's actually just a, like an aromatic oil. Um, so what what happens is the coffee's roasted, uh, it then goes into like kind of like a big cement mixer, um, and then like the aromatic oil is just kind of poured over mm-hmm. it, and it keeps spinning around until um, it's evenly distributed. That's why you'll notice if you ever buy like whole bean of flavored coffee, it has like this really oily sheen, mm-hmm. sheen on it. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I would recommend if you if you uh, buy flavored coffee, to only buy it ground, um, especially if you are going to be grinding other coffees, because what will happen is. Um, those flavors will kind of stick to the grinding burrs mm. and you won't be able to get rid of that flavor. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would always re- recommend cause, and it's really not going to taste it. You're not going to taste staleness because there's so much like added flavor to it at that mm. point. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. Just okay. absolutely fascinating. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And that's why some, some of the, sometimes my coffee tastes better. It tastes more flavorful. And sometimes because maybe the oils landed on a little bit more on some of the beans. Or? Um, if it's flavored coffee, um, it would, might just be how much flavor was used mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, okay. but, but really like, uh, you know, my job as a, as a buyer and a roaster is to, I, I want to find ways for the coffee to taste flavorful mm-hmm. without having to add anything to it. Right. So it, does that include like sweetener or yeah, cream? Yeah. I mean, for me, um, you know, if I'm able to make a cup of coffee, that is the best cup of coffee, it's going to have a great body to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we right. always say like, if, if you if someone adds cream or like they've, 
they've been habitually adding like a cream or, or something like that to their coffee, it's, it's more than likely because the first cup of coffee that they drank was super thin. Um, and not extracted properly. So adding that cream then gives you the round mouth that you're mm-hmm. looking for with coffee. Interesting. Same thing with the sweetness. Uh, you know, if that coffee isn't inherently sweet and it's bitter, um, you're going to want to add something to kind of mm-hmm. counteract that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, at, through the roasting process and the coffee sourcing process, I, I can achieve those things. Um, it's just more like right. how well other people can achieve it as well. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So is there the best container to drink coffee out of is it porcelain is it glass i prefer porcelain um uh just because i you know it's it's so surprising you know we we go into studies with this all the time where you know what you're drinking out of can impact the flavor or even just your impression of flavor right Mm -hmm. so if you're drinking out of something that's metal it's going to taste more tingy right right um something with glass like it's great but it actually loses its temperature really fast yep where porcelain has a really good job and just even ceramic in general of like keeping the heat kind of regulated even plastic Mm -hmm. i've got uh i've got a plastic mug here you taste the plastic my to-go mug Mm -hmm. it's different it's different different, even just the texture of what you're putting to your mouth it's different yeah so i put a little more irish cream in it it's fine (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding that explains it (laughs) i'm kidding i do like irish cream in my coffee though i do too i really do yeah so I'm, you're I'm not much on the flavored coffee at all. Yeah. I have to be honest. And I like the idea. I mean I, I would put like just a hint of sugar if I yep. had to to get rid of the bitterness. Yeah. But that's all I've ever done. Yeah. I would say um, you know, I definitely recommend people just even swinging by any coffee shop and tasting their coffee black before. Correct. Um, they put it in just to kind of get an idea. You know, I think that's a great you know, advice. Yeah. One thing I always tell people, like, you know, we, we'll always have two coffees like, kind of on our drip brewer, and I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, this one's a little bit lighter, fruitier, mm-hmm. um, brighter, you know, whether the other one's more sweet and, um, you know, just more of an average drinking cup of coffee, which one do you want to try? And then, you know, ask them, like, hey, before you put creamer in it, just take a sip and see if it's sweet enough for you already. Can I tell you what's always scary? me in the office <laughs> when you've got first of all you've got that coffee maker that's never been cleaned <laughs> oh yeah actually right. before filtered that's the most important thing. yeah is that right and yeah. then they oh go get the bag you got a bag you peel that bag open and you just pour that coffee yep. in and then brew it mm-hmm. and that coffee i don't know i don't know where that coffee's from i don't know it's usually i grow hair on the top of my hand <laughs> and it grows hair after it sits there for a while <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary it's a scary thing thing to do it's a, you know, it's a different world entirely it's you know uh, sometimes i'll thin yeah. it out i won't put yeah. the whole bag in yeah. is that probably a bad no, thing to do I it's don't know. just because the, maybe the flavor isn't good so you're just yeah. getting less flavor mm. yeah um you know maybe it, that's best i'm a huge i'm actually a huge <laughs> history buff and i always try to tell people that you know the united states we love coffee yeah. right we're a coffee nation we're right. not a tea nation um that's why we threw it overboard that's right. Um, we drink coffee. Um, and so for a very long time, um, we actually treated coffee with a lot of respect. So uh-huh. even during the Civil War time, you would have someone on uh, each troop that would be in charge of roasting and grinding the coffee fresh every day. Wow. Um, there were actually little grinders that they would be able mm-hmm. to store on their rifles. Um, but because of you know World War II and going into this age where you know we, we stopped um, – it became more about uh, it being a commodity, being able to have convenience. Um, and so now we're finally getting back to this point where people realize, like, no, we, we can actually make a good cup of coffee. It won't take that much longer, but let's stop and let's have our morning ritual and, and enjoy this yeah. in a way where, like, we're putting our 
you know, we're waking up on the right side of the bed type right. of thing. I was reading, and maybe you can verify this. I don't remember the website mm-hmm. that uh, I think it's Norway actually mm-hmm. drinks more coffee per yeah. capita than United States. And the United States is not even on the top mm-hmm. ten of yeah. countries. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that crazy? Per capita. To me. Well, I think one thing with Norway is they also use a lot of coffee per cup. Um, okay. Like those Scandinavian countries, uh, they'll. Um, well, they're cold. Yeah, they're very cold. <laughs> but they also they also go for like really light roasts. Um, and to kind of counteract that, they'll use more coffee. Okay. Um, so like I was saying, we use like one part to 16 parts. Well, they'll use like one part to 10 parts. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's amazing to me. This has I, been fascinating. And I can't start the day without a cup of coffee. Right. I've got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, agree I mean, I'm just not, it, and it's not right. And sometimes I'll have one cup of coffee and I'm out the door mm-hmm. and it still isn't right. right. I need, I need more than one cup well, of coffee. If I don't get one, I get the afternoon headache. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah. And you get crabby. Yeah. I noticed you get really crabby. <laughs> I thought that's when I drank too much. Right. Is that right? I noticed you get really crabby. We need to have you back to talk more about this. This is just, uh, I was just fascinating. I, I remember going to a, uh, a wine, a, a vinter, mm-hmm. and how they were going through making mm-hmm. wine and mm-hmm. everything. And this is as fascinating. And do you take tours through your... Yeah, yeah. Facility? So um, we we do tours. Um, a lot of times they have to be scheduled ahead, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. But we, you know, out in Edwardsville, it's we have a random person hop in every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, let's you know, talk about it. Where we love to be humble, but we also love to geek out on coffee. That's <laughs> so, great. So like, uh, yeah, like I'll talk to somebody for hours and hours if they want to listen to it well, well you know we are glad that you like to talk about it because this is <laughs> we like to, we like to listen and, and we're we're naturally inquisitive yeah. Oh, yeah. and want to know more about the topics we're talking about and that was great your last two questions that went pretty good <laughs> <laughs> no, no pun intended there there was like but there was like 30 questions there i'm afraid <laughs> yeah. well, i just got a feed on inquiring me. minds want to know yes they do which uh you know <laughs> it, it could go to our word of the day what you were talking about uh, i do have uh, about a minute and 45 seconds left here i'm i'm going through my notes to pull that up yeah. and the word of the day is uh par- paranomasia 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 the use of a word in a different sense or the use of words similar in sound to achieve a specific effect as humor or making a pun. In other words, champagne for my real friends and real pain for my sham friends. I used to be a tap dancer until I fell in the sink. Uh, Let's see, how about this one? (laughs) Award wieners. It's a Hollywood hot dog stand in Disneyland. A good farmer is nothing more or less than a handyman with a sense of humus. (laughs) Wow. It's a tough room. Yeah, it is a tough room. <laughs> and we have one minute left, so yeah. I may be able to pull off a funny here. All right. I may be able to do that. We'll come up to our other things so uh, so later on. The so, band. folks, don't be so hard on yourself. The mom in E.T. had an alien living in her house for days and didn't even notice. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Gosh, I can, you've got less than a minute. I have less than a minute. Okay, <laughs> so I might I might you be able to do one more one here more. That's quickly. It. Quickly here. Let's see. Uh, those are too long. Okay. Those are too long. Okay. Someone called the Kentucky Derby Amish NASCAR, and my day hasn't been the same. Oh, oh that's great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all for this hour, folks. Get to Goshen Coffee and get some of that coffee. Thanks, Tony, for yeah, being thank on you for having me. It was awesome. Don't forget when the Martians invade. 
I don't know if they drink coffee or not, but there's always only been one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. For St. Louis in Tune, co-host Mark Langston and I'm Arnold Stricker. We're a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine. <laughs>